You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Duncan, out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And I'm your other host, Michael Edwards, out of Denver, Colorado. And we thrive in the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support to see some ways you can help us out. We're in episode 47, and it's 4 in the morning. Uh, yeah, 4, what 17. the hell, man? Man, all those patterns. Um, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, in effect, I think recording right now is better than if we had recorded at eight with our usual plan because I would have been dead tired. And for some reason, I'm not tired at all right now. Um, <laughs> we'll see how this develops uh, throughout the episode. Um, yeah, special thanks to David Lyons on his recording flexibility. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, this sounds so backwards, but thank you for making it possible for me to record at four in the morning. <laughs> Um, yeah, we can start with a little bit of follow-up. Um, I think we got a li- not only a little bit, we got a lot of follow-up here. Let's start with uh, a little apology from my side. Uh, last episode, we were talking about my live streaming um, endeavors, but I haven't live streamed since. And this has <laughs> nothing to do with not be, uh, with not wanting to do it or with any creative or musical reasons. I have a lot on my plate right now, um, studying and work, and I just couldn't make time for it at all. So, um, I hopefully I will get to it next week again, not necessarily on Monday, but, uh, it, they will happen. They will come back. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash ecolog slash subscribe. <laughs> and actually, speaking <laughs> of live streams, uh, me and David Lyons of the Flipping Tables podcast will be doing a non musical live stream. Oh, yeah. Uh, for just that. probably uh this this saturday from when we released this episode so uh look for that definitely yeah i'll i'll, I'll try to, to make room to to watch all of it at least <laughs> at least watch the vod um, i'm gonna put it in the queue where i'm still i'm still watching all the agdq 2016 stuff oh man so much to watch and then um i think lines was it uh delivered us this nice tweet this this joke or was it you who discovered it i don't know let's I give credit <laughs> ah it was lines it was lines um yeah um we're not probably not gonna read or do we read all of it do you want to read all of it I, i'll read it um so i'll just dive into it this is a very very funny tweet i thought using loops was cheating so i programmed my own using samples i then thought using samples was cheating so i recorded real drums i then thought that programming it was cheating so i learned to play drums for real and then i thought using bot drums was cheating so i learned to make my own and then i thought using pre-made skins was cheating so i killed a goat and skinned it and i thought that was cheating too so i grew my own goat from a baby goat i also think that is cheating but i'm not sure where to go from here i haven't made any music lately what with the goat farming and all (laughs) Yeah, anytime anyone tries to bring that fallacy of drawing an arbitrary line in the sand again, I'm just going to send them that picture. <laughs> it's That's the only problem is it's a picture of text, but it would fit in a tweet. So I guess, yeah. what are you going to yeah. do? Hopefully soon we'll get longer tweets. <laughs> yeah, and then there's uh, reviews are coming up about the Braggy Dash, which we've talked about last week. And then you talked about it on Flipping Tables at Kind of seems like they bought us. They bought Sunrise Robot. <laughs> yeah. uh, are you sure that they are not uh, a secret patron on Patreon? Yeah. I, I I didn't know secret patrons was a thing. That would be cool. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so Engadget delivered us a review of the Braggy Dash, and uh, it's a pretty glowing review. Like the overall, they're pretty damn positive, and the the thing does what they say it does on the whole. And so I got to give them props for that, and mainly just because even if I'm not going to spend three hundred dollars on the Braggy Dash, I do want this kind of headphone to take off and be like a whole category that's thriving. What does it say about technology that in this day and age, um, people are happy when things do what they say they do? I know. <laughs> yeah, damning with faint praise or something. Well, everything's hyped up so crazy, especially stuff at like CES. It's like, this is going to transform <laughs> everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, we'll come back to that topic when we talk about NAM later in yeah. this episode. <laughs> the audio lands CES. <laughs> And then another uh, topic, um, yeah, talking about work without delving into too much detail. Um, so at the company that I'm doing some development, uh, some, some software development for right now. So they were, um, recording some videos, some teaching videos, mostly internal, but also some that will go out to customers and accepts from it will go on YouTube, maybe or very possibly. They didn't really prepare anything for recording. They just send out these presentations and tell people, yeah, just record your desktop and talk along, like just do the presentation like you would. And of course, people would use their um, shitty built-in laptop microphones. And you all know what they'll sound like. <laughs> I, I just remembered because last week we talked about um, invest in good stuff if audio goes through it. And this is just one of those prime examples. Yeah. Like just... Just a, I, I don't know, 35 euro headset would have improved it drastically. Yeah, but. the 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 smallest modicum of like the cheapest USB mic is going to be worlds better. If nothing right. else, than that it isn't attached to a machine that has a whirring fan and it's physically connected to it. Yeah. Um, and so my question, I mean, it's going to sound bad no matter what with a built-in mic. Um, but were the were they? just recording like at their desk like an intentional like hey i'm just going to record this because i'm sitting here were they giving the presentation and standing like five feet away no and then no. they hit they were basically in their home just recording it i oh, okay. before that i gave out instructions like yeah at least place yourself so the room isn't behind you so it doesn't like reverb all into the microphone and um yeah try to get as close as possible and please don't use a built-in laptop uh, microphone and yeah, so now I got a Dropbox full of videos to edit and, um, yeah, I'm not getting paid enough to, uh, <laughs> to clean up that audio. There's only so much you can do when it's captured so poorly. Yeah. But, but what just surprised me is that, um, when, when I watched the first video and I noticed how shitty the audio was, I just sent an email to, to two or three people, uh, who were kind of overseeing this whole project. And I was like, is this audio okay for you? And I got the response, yes, this is all right. So, um, okay, if that's what you guys want, um, I could clean it up. It's not too expensive. But why do it if they don't care? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I deal with that in my workplace a little bit. And again, not to go into any details of actual work stuff, but um, the, the, the media produced in general is by people whose full-time job is other stuff. But for some reason, they got stuck with making a video and they don't have the time or the interest or the inclination to care about quality. And quality takes too much time or it requires expertise they don't have time to acquire for themselves. And so 
um, in my work, I get to make stuff that sounds really great and hopefully looks really great too. And, uh, that actually having that contrast really helps prove my value because, um, I'm, I'm still sort of gunning to get hired permanently. So we'll see. Um, anyway, audio. Yeah. Quality matters. Speaking of quality mattering, um, we'll get into our show now. And, uh, <laughs> John Benjamin, um, who many people may know as the voice of Archer or as the can of tomatoes in, uh, uh, wet hot American summer, he voices the can of tomatoes. Um, he's also been in like various sketch comedy series kind of as a background character here and there. Um, doesn't he have something to do with Bob's burgers? I read. Oh yeah. He's, he's, uh, apparently involved in that too. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, the the notable thing here is he made a jazz album and he doesn't know how to play music. He doesn't know how to play piano whatsoever. And uh so he he gathered some actual jazz musicians. You'll hear you know the drums, the the saxophone, everything just sounds amazing. Um I'm not into jazz, but I can tell like they know what they're doing. It sounds right. And uh then every once in a while you just hear someone mashing on the piano keys. <laughs> and uh so this was an NPR interview, so it's about five minutes long. We'll link to it in the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash forty seven. And uh I think the interview is hilarious and the, the interviewer, uh, I forget which interviewer at NPR, but, uh, he, uh, can't help but keep laughing at what he's hearing. Cause you just hear like, it just sounds like you're in some coffee shop and some like solid jazz is playing. And then this ridiculous, like imitation, terrible piano comes in. But I think my take on it was like, this was a funny skit. Like SNL would do a skit like this about some guy who thinks he's great, but he's really not. And then after five minutes, you're done. But he actually made a whole album of this. And I don't <laughs> think I need the album. As I was listening to this, and I'm also not really a jazz listener. Um, I, I can appreciate it, but I don't, I wouldn't put it on just actively. Um, <laughs> to, to be a little bit dismissive, um, it kind of sounded like, what it was trying to be <laughs> at some points, <laughs> like some of the chords he's playing at random don't really sound that bad in the context because i mean there he has professional musicians he has a musical bed to work with that just envelops everything he's playing so uh yeah he's bound to hit some right notes there and in <laughs> yeah. jazz it's so free like you can be dissonant it's okay um uh <laughs> what i like there was one part uh during the end where he was just hammering that one note all the time yes. and then the saxophone was responding it was like a call and response and it just worked so well <laughs> it was a, a genuine musical moment in a parody um yeah it was just for me the interview is all i needed but there's a funny joke go check it out yeah it's one of those things like, uh, man, I could have come up with that, but I didn't. <laughs> and yeah, even then I wouldn't have had the means to, to, but you're uh, not John Benjamin. It, it, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so what, what's that about those retrofitting iPods? Uh, so this was an article, uh, entitled music geeks are retrofitting old iPods. And so this is, you know, I think I had joked a couple episodes ago about, you know, the future generations will, instead of like, idolizing vinyl they'll be like you got to listen to like lossy mp3s on on solid <laughs> hard drives inside little dedicated machines but man those artifacts those were the days <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Um, but this is a, a niche and thankfully some of the people interviewed here about this actually recognize how niche it is what they're doing. But basically they're taking old iPods and they're putting new batteries and new solid state, like either SD cards or other kinds of solid um, storage in there. And then they're just reviving these iPods with new components and basically so they can carry an entire music collection around and not require Wi-Fi or syncing over the air or any of that stuff. And uh, I I can understand that niche. Like if you really want your 300 gig collection with you everywhere and you don't want to, you know, if I was going to carry 300 gigs of music, I'm not going to sync it from Spotify. I'm not going to sit there <laughs> and say, add everything. And I even think Spotify cl- like clamps down on your library side. Like the number of songs you can add to your your collection is uh, it's it's not that terribly huge. It might be ten thousand or fifty thousand, maybe. But if you're talking about carrying your whole collection around, it, Spotify ain't gonna do it. And I don't know. This is just one of those like things that I would never do, but I'm always interested when I hear about people kind of hacking old hardware to do new things. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I just checked here. Um, I thought I had a more extensive collection, but I only actually have 47 gigabytes worth of music MP3s, some WMAs. We talked about that. Oh. Um, uh, on my hard drive, I thought I would have more. So, um, I, I just remember the old days of having a 20 gigabyte hard drive MP3 player. And that was a lot. That was a lot. Like a whole discography of one artist. <laughs> or maybe, yeah, sure it was more, but, um, yeah, no, t- perfectly valid reason. And uh, I think it's also a little bit of nostalgia, although, um, okay, we're talking about technology that's only a little bit more than a decade old. But I, st- I still see people hugging, not hugging, but um, <laughs> metaphorically hugging their iPods because, I mean, some people love those things and it's okay. I mean, Apple is a lifestyle. We all know that. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody will uh, cling to their Samsung uh, MP3 player from the, from the 2005 or something. <laughs> but I mean, iPods always were, were like this, this trendy thing. So man, of course people want to hold on to it. Hold on to it. So if some people can mod them, so to, to make them, uh, worthwhile in the future sure go ahead i think that's i think that's a valid reason and also uh it's not like they they had some something in them that made them sound worse we talked about this all the time it's there's nothing in the circuitry that would make anything sound worse so it's not like oh you have to have an ipod from the 2014 or something um no they they also sound good as long as you put some good headphones into them so let's head to into a nam block and when did nam happen uh, I think it's still happening. At least I'm still seeing some of the YouTube channels that I follow uh, regularly uploading like one video every hour of some booth at NAMM showing some random boutique guitar pedals that all sound the same. I mean, I love watching <laughs> those demos, but at some point a distortion pedal is going to sound like a distortion pedal is going to sound like a distortion pedal, even if it costs 500 euros and it was handmade. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like it runs from the 21st to the 24th. So as of recording, there's a couple more days in NAM left. 
So maybe there's still some groundbreaking thing to be revealed that nobody knows yet. But we've we've collected here some some interesting things from from this year's NAM. Some of those have already appeared last year, but they've been kind of updated. Uh, some of them are there every year. Um, of course, some some software developers every year they have some new version of of their flagship software. Um, but we're gonna start with I don't know if that was actually re- revealed in context with NAM. I just thought it would fit in there. So Apple Music. Uh, Apple released a new app called Music Memos. And since I don't have an Apple device, um, card is all yours. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Apple uh, sort of identified. And this is one of those apps that I wonder if it was just kind of a pet project of one of their engineers that kind of like they saw some merit in and decided to pull up. But uh, it's basically it fits right between like your traditional voice memo app, which is basically a big record button and then some way to listen or share or export, but does almost nothing else. Uh, and then you have things like a, a full on DAW or GarageBand or something where you can multi-track and play with effects and add software instruments. Um, this is in between there and it's definitely closer to the voice memo side, but it's got some music focused features that kind of make it clever. And uh, I played with it for a day, and uh, I, I might actually use this uh, just when I'm playing around on my acoustic or something and want to capture ideas. Um, it's no harder to pull pull out and use than a normal voice memo app because it's you know the interface is just a giant record button um, unless you dive in and start looking at your recordings. And uh, so you know it's not going to slow you down if all you want to do is capture something, but then there's some icing that you get afterwards. And, uh, so, um, some of that icing is, uh, so they have all these tags built in. So you could tag, uh, if you record like a little sample of a part of a song, you could say, this is a verse or this is a chorus or this is a, a melody or a harmony. And, uh, you can imagine if you're capturing ideas every day and you just build up a huge library of these, you might want to be able to search through by tag and be like, ah, I, I really need some like melodies that I can just sort of use in a song. And here you go. Um, or, you know, I need another part of a song. What's some unused material that I, that I had some ideas for? And, uh, instead of having to listen through voice memo and then the, the long form date and then voice memo, the long form date and just try to sort through all this, uh, you, you have some other methods. I'm, I'm guessing you've already done something like this with other voice recording apps, like short musical ideas. Have you ever gone back and, uh, sifted through those and actually lifted some, some of that material? Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I don't know. Usually it's I like an idea so much when I listen to it like the next day while it's still so, somewhat fresh on my mind, it gets promoted. It gets like added yeah. to my actual music library of like, this is something I want to hold on to. So I'm sure there's some lost ideas that were never made it past that initial recording stage. Yeah. I feel like my music app, my memo app is full of those. It's just like, oh, I want to record this. If I forget this, I'm going to hate myself. And then I record it and I forget about it anyway. And now it's, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, I only have like a 16 gigabyte phone. Everything is in the cloud. I think half of my, uh, space on there is just some guitar jams that I'm never going to use. <laughs> I tend not to record like little short snippets. It tends to be like, most of a song or ah it's already more worked out then okay yeah that, that makes more sense for me it's mostly just small ideas small melodies <laughs> or a rhythm or a, a, the, the, a, a i mean every once in a while there's like i'm in the car and you know, i just i'm humming something and for some reason i think it's worth saving and so those are always a little more mystifying you go back and it's just like 
someone badly humming in a car and i'm just like i have no idea <laughs> yeah it's always those that you think you have such a great idea because um you have that melody in mind along with the harmony but then you only hum the melody and you're not really in tune and then you listen back and think what is that that's nothing <laughs> it's kind of like well, going this. finally finding the forum that has the question you're asking and no one has recorded the answer yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that um, <laughs> so some of the other, uh, features of this voice memos app is, uh, it's got some, uh, little intelligence in there to detect chords and notes and, uh, also rhythm. So it'll slice your song and, and identify the, the time signature. Um, I haven't tested it with weird time signatures. I bet it fails, but, um, you know, it'll know if it's waltz or four, four and a few of the others probably. Um, but it also mark your chords and you can correct it if it gets any wrong. And then they also have this feature where you can tap to add a bass or drum accompaniment. And this sounds like they've ported some GarageBand features that have been around for a year or two. And, uh, you know, or no one my would... entertainer keyboard from the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, at least with the bass, it's got, and it's, it matches your rhythm and it actually plays the notes of the chords you oh, played. That's cool. So that's, that's the, the, the secret there. Um, but. And no one would use these accompaniment tracks for an actual produced recording, but it's sort of you like... say that now. Watch Bandcamp okay. in the next two months. People are going to, but you shouldn't. <laughs> um, but what it does is if you just want to hear, like, what would this sound like built up a little bit? You just kind of really quick preview without having to actually do it yourself if you just wanted to, to hear a filled out version of your idea. Yeah. Um, and they have some little tweaks in there, like the both for both the bass and the the rhythm. You can say be complex or simple, or be loud or uh, quiet. It's like I a, was about to ask: Is it like always soft rock or mellow rock, or can it be other <laughs> stuff as well? I mean, it's it's not you're not going to have the entire world at your disposal, but um, you'd have a little bit of control to be like, what's well, just a really simple thing? Or um, they have three also three extra buttons for the drums to be like. I think they represent it as like a cymbal, uh, hi hats or just a drum for like a, a floor tom beat or something. So you can switch between those two. Um, I don't think I would like bother with all that. Um, I would use it as a voice memo app and then be pleasantly surprised that it also did other things when I needed it. But, um, I don't know if I'm weird. I don't forget what chords I used in riffs or in parts of songs. I'm like, I know what I did. <laughs> you song. played them, yeah. But I know not every musician is that way, and they may do something that that's true yeah. help out with. Um, so that was neat, and thought I'd do a little report on it. But we we also have some very interesting actual Nam announced products and and software we should get into. Yeah, starting out with the ARQ or ARC by Zoom. And Zoom, I, I mostly just know them for their portable recorders. I know they do other stuff, but yeah, they definitely are in the realm of controllerism now. Uh, MIDI controllers, everything. Um, so this thing looks like an elaborate version of Simon Says. <laughs> Looking at it and reading the text, at first I didn't know what it actually was capable of and uh, was going back and forth on the features. So it's basically something like a launch pad or just drum pads arranged in a circle. So it's it's like a wheel that you can hold. And it, it lights up when you hit it and um, it has an accelerometer. So you can actually control 
values in your DAW or synthesizer or some filter or something by actually moving it around and uh, possibly th six axis. Um, that, I mean, that, that sounds cool. Um, uh, we, we haven't next, next week we have to talk about, I think I know my, my pick of the week already. Uh, this guy, Ankle <laughs> Pants, who, who built his own microphone with crazy effects and, and motion controls. So we'll, we'll definitely get back into that. So, um, yeah, this thing looks like it's more or less trying to do everything. Um, but really it's, yeah, it's another thing that triggers things and launches, launches things and, uh, Yeah, um, it seems gimmicky. It seems totally gimmicky. Like, uh, <laughs> suddenly you will see a, a Skrillex on stage with an electric tambourine in his hand that's lighting up. Um, I can see that happen. It would sound very, uh, it would look very strange to me. <laughs> But at the same time, it has a lot of features that are still useful. So it's really, uh, on, on this, on this fine line between gimmicky and still useful. Yeah, all power to them, but yeah, six hundred dollars would be too much just to play around with that thing. And it does really light up like a toy. And uh, I mean, yeah. I get it that's communicating things to you, like which beats of the measure you've activated this patch, or um, what parts of the sequence are filled out, or and all that stuff. But it's still like I wonder, like, what if you didn't want this flashy giant light version? Like, are there subtle yeah. ways to use it? Um, it also just reminds me of the, the Nintendo Wii circular controller for Mario Kart, uh, where you would put your <laughs> Wiimote in it and then you would use the accelerometer to steer. And so it was like, you know, would a genre of music uh, emerge from this called steer core Mario, Mario Kart Ka rock? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then we're back into, uh, back at that Wii music presentation back at E3. <laughs> we're going to put that in the show notes because uh, some part of that we'll come back to later. Looks like a neat little toy. Um, I'm I'm having an eye on seeing somebody, some big artist, use that thing on stage. Uh, I mean, I've seen so many in interesting controllers, um, but I've never actually seen them in use by anyone. <laughs> anyone. We'll just have to call it Arc Watch, and we'll report back. Arc Watch, yeah, I like that. <laughs> And then we've got Melodyne 4, the new version of Melodyne. So last week we talked about Autotune and I said, we should, we should talk a little bit of Melodyne. So, um, in short, Melodyne is kind of Autotune on steroids because in Melodyne, you can actually, uh, they, they have this algorithm. They call it DNA. I don't, I don't remember what it stands for. Direct note access is what ah, it stands for. Yeah. They actually make it possible so you can tune not only single notes like a vocal performance, but actually whole chords. You can play a guitar chord and then you notice, ah oh man, that one st string is a little bit flat and oh, I don't actually want to make it a seventh chord and you can just pull around the notes and it does that and it sounds, it sounds like nothing was ever done to that recording. Or like, you're just say, like, you can't afford to get your guitar set up so your intonation sucks and you're like, well, let's yeah. just fix it. Yeah. Possibly. So as long as you don't really, as, as long as you don't really go really crazy overboard and go an octave above it, I, I mean, I, I believe even that they, they would be, they would, they could pull that off. This direct note access, that's like the bread and butter of, of Melodyne. And so when they develop this technology, um, and the way they're analyzing waveforms and, and pulling all those frequencies and harmonics out there, um, like 
on the basis of that throughout the years now they've built other stuff because they say okay we've got all this information what crazy things can we do with it and so um in 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 this feature uh, on this newest feature um one of them is an a harmonic equalizer so um what that does um We talked about equalizers before um, in one of our FX planes. So usually equalizer works like that. You say, okay, we've got this frequency or this narrow frequency range or this wider frequency range, and I want to boost that or I want to, I want to attenuate that so um, you can make a recording more bright or more dull or warm it up a little bit. Um, so what this does is it actually reacts to what you're playing. So it, it, it isn't fixed to a certain frequency, but it is fixed to a harmonic or like a, a multiple of the frequency of the note you are playing. So let's say I'm playing an A, that's a uh, an A1, that's a 440 hertz. You can actually control what's happening at 440 hertz. But if I play another note, that same setting controls whatever frequency that note is. You can actually kind of change the whole timber of your of your sound of the sound of your guitar and he's doing this crazy demo of a wah guitar and he's just fading out the whole wah effect like it's never it's never been there there's no wah effect in that in that uh, chain and i actually couldn't <laughs> believe what i was saying like I, i know i'm gushing right now but i actually couldn't believe that that was just happening there it it sounds crazy good and yeah. um It's black magic. That's what it is. And I, I was uh, hopping around the video watching, and I, I don't know exactly what he was up to, but they were some really complex, like harmonic equalizer stuff. Um, just uh, you know, like you were just describing, but also like uh, the way he could drag and, and affect the waveform. Like I don't know, it was kind of mind blowing. You should watch this video for sure. Yeah. Yeah, even if you don't know like how an equalizer actually works, or if you never played around with it, like just watching this and hearing the sound, like actually hearing what happens to the sound. Wow, this okay, is, this it is felt crazy. like in one part, I think it was an acoustic guitar, but it was like he was pulling a guitar out of a pool and like just making it so clear. So yeah. you're just like, <laughs> what? What magic have you found? Yeah. Oh, it was crazy. Um, there there was one part where he um is uh, so he can change how much of the tonal qualities of the atonal qualities of, of the sound come through so he's pulling all the tonal qualities out and you only hear like the the bell-like harmonics of the strings like it was i think that yeah. was the electric guitar where where you hear like metal you actually hear just the metal but not the note that are, no not the notes that are being played so if you go the other way you can like smooth out your whole guitar and yeah. it sounds very smooth because you don't have any <laughs> metallic sounds in there yeah it's, it's crazy it's cheating <laughs> it's it's cheating that's that's what it is <laughs> and it's made in germany <laughs> Tell me about this modeling guitar. This is the Vox Starstream. And right off the bat, I'm not sure if I like the visual design of it. I like that they're trying something new. Like they have this this frame around the actual guitar body. And the guitar body for that is like shrink down a little bit. Uh, they're claiming like it's more ergonomic. Um, it kind of does look cool, but I think it really depends on the shape. So in this one video that we have, I'm, I'm really on the fence. I don't know if I like it. Maybe it's just because we're not used to seeing something like that. I mean, years ago, I hated the way a Telecaster looks and now I own one. So maybe, maybe I'll come around. Um, but actually what it's all about, it's about the sound. So this is a modeling guitar, uh, which means, um, 
There, there have for many years now been modeling amps. Um, I actually had one where um, it's one amplifier, but it's actually pretending to be many amplifiers, so it can sa- sound very, very differently. Um, so this is a modeling guitar, and what they are promising is that if you buy this guitar, you can play play it, and it sounds like a Stratocaster or like a Telecaster or like a Les Paul or like a banjo or like a ukulele, <laughs> and um, I mean, there, there are some, some definitely noticeable differences between the, the sound, the, the sounds that they have. But most of them didn't really sound like what they were claiming. Like, you noted down here, I mean, the banjo example, of course, the telly sound that he played, uh, my telly doesn't sound like that. Um, maybe I, I have the wrong settings on my telly. Maybe I don't <laughs> have a telly. Um, it, it all sounded cool. It just like wasn't what's on, uh, what's what's on the dial there that that it said um but i i could be down to purchase something like that if i ever have like the money to be like oh yeah let's just get another guitar because i (laughs) in general i i I like modeling stuff i like being flexible with just one piece of equipment Uh, as i said i i owned modeling amps for i i think i've only exclusively owned modeling amps throughout my my career so far um so i really like that modeling stuff in general so uh yeah what what would you think of that guitar uh i I was just laughing because it's always straight to blues (laughs) riffs when people show off guitars it's always that and i i don't find that useful i don't know what i'm probably it's just me that's the niche but um i just don't find it you like oh it sounds like blues i don't know if that means this right. is a good guitar. I mean, or not. it sounded like a guitar. At least that's yeah. what it's got for him. Yeah, going for it. It passed the like not paying attention. It sounds like a guitar test, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's also one of those demos you mentioned the banjo thing. Like that just kind of drew me out. It was like, all right, don't pretend that actually sounded like a banjo. <laughs> like, yeah, you made your guitar sound really tinny and kind of staccato, but it was not a banjo sound. <laughs> and by contrast, the Melodyne, when he was messing with it, it actually kind of did. Um, <laughs> at least more so than this. Um, totally different products and strategies, but, um, yeah. no, I mean, I'm with you that like the idea of a, a full on modeling guitar where you can make it sound like anything you want from one single piece of hardware is pretty exciting. Um, It's just, they shouldn't oversell it. Yeah, true. Yeah. And I'd like to see some variants on, on the design because yeah, this whole frame thing around the body, it can work, but maybe it's just the frame is a little bit too wide. Maybe if you make it a little (laughs) bit thinner, but, or maybe it's the color choice, but I can see like uh, some variants of, some variant of that being. How weird would it look without the frame if it was just that tiny little body? Well, (laughs) it it looks like this one guitar. I don't know. It has, it has a certain name, um, where you have this small like trapezoid body and the strings at the top, they, they don't go into the headstock, but they go around to the back of the, the fretboard. Ah man, let me let me find that guitar. I don't know what to Google for. Um, I'll, I'll try to find one and put them in the show notes later. And then the last thing, um, which at first was like, huh, okay, but then I thought, okay, I want this. Uh, so, so what am I actually talking about? VR drums. So everything has to be VR nowadays. So uh, these are Aero drums. Um, they've showed them last year at um, at Nam, and. 
yeah, coming back to the V to the Wii music. So if you paused our episode to watch the Wii music presentation, you've seen this guy having two two Wii modes and the the Wii Fit Pad <laughs> or what what which was it? What was it called? The Wii Fit, the balance uh, board, ba- the balance board, and he was like air drumming and yeah, that that whole video is cringeworthy, <laughs> but. People actually built something like that. So, uh, they, they hooked up a webcam to a laptop. They, um, yeah, put like these little circular, like, like those, those little balls on top of some drum sticks, like the, um, they've got with a Sony Move. Is it called Move or something? Yeah. The Move controller. Um, like those little balls of light. And so this guy sits down and just starts air drumming, but it actually works. You're like, you don't have a drum set in front of you and you can just put on headphones, you can send it to whatever drum synthesizer you want and you can just go drumming. And I think that's amazing. Um, I want that. I actually want that uh, because the first year that I played drums, 80% of the time I was actually air drumming. I was just sitting at home in a chair and was like, okay, imagine the hi-hat is there. Um, you can still kind of practice the rudimentary moves. Like you, you don't have any velocity, you don't have any feedback yet, but you can get used to moving your limbs independently. Uh, so I think air drumming is actually one of the viable choices of learning at least the basics of drums. Yeah. Like you can't get that far with it, but it's, it's worthwhile. And this year they, they topped it all. They combined it with the Oculus Rift and now you can actually see the drums in front of you. <laughs> so the only thing that's missing now is that you can feel those drums. Uh, probably we're not going to see that anytime soon, but man, how, how great is that? So you, you, Man, wow. well, I, was just I, I know thinking, I'm gushing like, a lot today. <laughs> so it, it works because it, it's got a, a high speed camera watching you and it interprets the footage so that it knows what you supposedly hit. Um, and, uh, I, I couldn't help but be reminded of the, the old Mr. Bean Rowan Atkinson, uh, classic routine where he's on stage alone and, uh, we'll have a link to it, but he, he just starts playing air drums and there's an actual drummer in the, the orchestra pit or whatever, at the, whatever theater he's at that is playing perfectly with him. And, uh, that's what this looks like, but not as a joke. Um, yeah. I was wondering like, what other instruments would this be? Like, I don't know how detailed they can get on detecting what you intended to hit. Like drums, when you think about it, are pretty spatially spread out. You can do that. Like, could you play a piano? With a camera, I guess it was an overhead shot of your hands, maybe. Um, yeah, but you've got so many precise movements that you've got to do. I don't, I don't think you could really work. Yeah, with, with something like that. Yeah, other than that, I was just thinking of like those flute controllers, but I mean that's already physical piece. So I mean, you don't have to be able to actually get a sound out of a flute, but you can use a flute controller, breath <laughs> controller. But yeah, even then, that's that's a physical thing. Um, so with this, you only really need those drumsticks and a, and a webcam. And you just said, hi, uh, did, did it actually say high speed camera? Because I I didn't see any specs on the oh, camera. Oh, I, ju- I just meant more than thirty uh, frames per second. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, that. So that that was that's what I was thinking about. So um, uh, let's say it's a sixty fps camera because everything nowadays sixty fps. Even here in Germany, where we're actually using like fifty hertz, that comes out of our, our outlets. <laughs> Uh, my monitor and my webcam, everything is 60 FPS. Now, 60 FPS, that's still um, 16.6 milliseconds per frame. So that's at least the latency you're going to get. Now, 16 is okay. 
in in general, but with drums you have to be very precise. Like in the, with the guitar, well, I can, staccato sounds you can tell. Yeah. So with guitar, I've gotten used to being able to play at at still at like twenty milliseconds. But with drums, that would be a little bit more problematic. So um, I, I don't know. Maybe uh, it has some kind of prediction algorithms in it. But I could see that only having 60 FPS might increase the latency. But at the same time, uh, I've, I've saw, uh, I saw some videos of professional drummers playing this thing and rocking out like crazy and having a, the biggest smile on their face. So it shouldn't be that much of a problem, uh, apparently. No, like all this stuff, I'd, I'd like to try it. I could actually see myself like, um, I mean, I want, I want to get some VR headset this year, maybe Noculus, maybe a Vive later this year. I could see myself going, okay, let's just throw in those 200. I think it was like 150 or 200 dollars. Let's just get this thing. I want to play drums again because man, I really miss playing drums. And yeah, speaking about drums, I think it's time to get to our picks of the week and we, we got a little drum theme this, this week. Yeah. Who should go first? Um, you should go first because you've got to build up in yours and then we can just crash into mine. <laughs> okay. Um, my pick of the week is the song Modern Girl by Sleater Kinney. And, uh, they're, they're a well-known band, um, but one that I've never paid any attention to. And, uh, they've also got a, a famous, uh, front woman, Carrie Brownstein, who's, uh, half of Portlandia. So even people that don't know their music will probably know her from that sketch comedy show. Um, but uh this song showed up on my uh my discover playlist and I liked it immediately and uh you know as far as I can tell it's not representative of what they usually sound like they're usually very very punk very indie rock um energetic guitars um, weird vocal stylings but this is kind of a a a stripped down and almost like manically happy sounding song and uh, I, I watched a live version and, and Carrie on stage said that this song is a uh, nervous breakdown in reverse. And I don't really know what that means. And I've read the lyrics and I've kind of thought about it a while. And I don't really know what she's saying about that. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, this song is delightful. And uh, um, it's it's got a weird production. It's kind of lo-fi. It definitely clips like crazy by the end. It's just like... You know, who cares? We're going past zero. I don't care. Um, <laughs> it only sounds good if it's in the world. <laughs> and, um, but one of my favorite things about it, you know, it's got a good melody um, and it's bouncy and so forth. Um, but it's just kind of got a slow build and then these drums come in. And these drums are uh, what I would describe as confident. Me and my friend Kevin always have this term we use. Like, it's not necessarily that they're the loudest thing ever, crazy or like impressive, but they're just like, yes, that's what needed to happen. And uh, when those drums come in, it's my favorite moment in the whole song. So uh I, I don't think the song itself as a whole could bear being any longer than it is. It's like three minutes or something. 
but I really wanted more with the drums right at the end there. Like it's so good. And then it's just out so quickly after that. Um, but anyway, what did you think? Man, that, that sound, that song is crazy. Like I was wide awake. I mean, I was awake anyway, but I was wide awake after <laughs> listening to that. And, and you, uh, you kind of spoiled me about the, the drums setting. And so I was all the time was seeing that. Where, where are I come? Where are I gonna come? When are they gonna come? When are they gonna come? And like the noise is building up and was like, okay, they're gonna come. They're gonna come. They're gonna come. And then it just, it all distorts so much. And, and I, I had this, this feeling in mind that, um, talking about this nervous breakdown, like it, it seems like a psychotic person going like, notice me. Don't, don't try to avoid me. I'm right here. Just, just listen. And, and that's, that really fits very well. Like, oh man. And then this, yeah, those drums. Um, it kind of reminded me a bit of, I don't know which one, which one it was. Some Jetsa Radio, uh, either Jetsa Radio or Jetsa Radio Future had like this, this J-Rock, uh, song that was also very distorted and female vocals that was kind of reminding me. It's like, um, or maybe I'm kind of mixing it up a little bit with, um, yeah, that one band that, uh, Deerhoof. Um, oh dear! I don't know. Definitely, it, it's it's that in that line somewhere. So uh, yeah, really crazy song, and I know what you mean. Like I could listen to that song every once in a while, um, and then the drums come and it's like, yeah, fuck yeah! But in the end, okay, <laughs> if I do any more of that, I might get a heart attack. So <laughs> and I want to live a few more years. Now. So um, really crazy song, but I love it. <laughs> so in the theme of drums, what what was your pick of the week? My pick of the week is October Surprise with There Is No Grace In It. I think without any further ado, let's just hit right to the song. Man, that song lives off the drum, off those drums, and they just sound so amazing. Like they take up this whole space. It's such a wall of sound, and you you re can really hear all those guitars like playing into that wall of sound. But without those drums, it would all fall apart. At the, so, well, it just wouldn't be as remarkable. I don't. Yeah, think, definitely. Those drums. So uh, definitely, there was a lot of work went into those drums to sound that powerful, and I just love it. And I love that the whole album starts just with that. Like it's this organ, this distorted organ sound. It's just one, two, three, four, and just goes right in. You just have to love that. I think. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I even like it when it goes to like that four in the floor, and then like the little marching yeah. rumble. Um, it's just, it's not what you would expect anyone to do, but it works. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the, the whole album's great. I was, uh, just before the show, I switched to the no, There's No Grace in this. The other song I really love on there is Lost My Hat That Night, which is the complete opposite of this song, uh, which is very low key and, uh, very depressing almost. So, uh, yeah, a lot of varied songs and sounds on, on that album. And that's it for episode 47 of Bits and Pieces. Uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, be sure to check out the show notes at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 47 for links to uh, our picks of the week and also our Spotify playlist, which has 
all of our picks of the week uh, from every episode when possible, which is, you know, like 99% of them. Oh, uh, yeah, I got to update that. I think last week I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Um, me and Matt both basically live inside of machines connected to the Internet. So if you want to send us some feedback, please do. And one of the easiest ways to do that is on Twitter. And you can tweet to me at pseudomichael. It's spelled S-U-D-O Michael. And Matt, you are... At Echolox, E-C-H-O-L-O-X. And uh, while you're at our website looking at our show notes, you should subscribe to our show with your favorite podcatcher. So uh, whether you're on iOS or Android, you could use Overcast.fm or Podcast Addict or Pocket Cast. Just look those apps up and uh, hit the subscribe button on our site, and that way you'll get a new episode every other week automatically, and that's awesome. If you'd like to support us directly, we have a Patreon, so head to patreon.com slash sunriserobot, and uh, you can pledge dollars to us. And uh, depending on the rate that you uh, pledge to us, you might get your name mentioned on one of our shows or all of our shows uh, and so forth. So uh, with that, we want to say special thanks to Benji Robinson. Thank you so much, man. Thank for you, being Benji. One of our top supporters. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.